HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on a special Valentine's Day edition of Meet and 3, we put a twist on the lovey-dovey holiday. The mission statement is save the world through silliness and chocolate, and in parentheses, launch a chocolate bar into outer space. But I'm having um, some conflict on the board members with the parentheses. That's okay. He cited that in his area there used to be 30 dairy farms and now there are three. You know, dessert was political, and what you had on the dessert table said more about you than other markers of success. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news and storytelling roundup wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm your host, Kat Johnson, here with my amazing, as always, co-hosts, Hannah Ford and Dylan Hoyer. Happy Thursday. Happy five (laughs) o'clock. Dylan walked in, and I was like, do you want wine? She's like, yes. (laughs) And the thing is, we asked her the same question yesterday, and you were like, uh. I have like 60 emails, so I, I liked this. Yeah, so then I better. went through all those emails, <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my god, I need wine. A glass of wine. I'll take a bottle. I feel you. Um, Jess Kreinchich, our engineer in the booth. Hi. Hello, hello. Can I just say what a beautiful Roberta's ad read that was? Oh, thank You're you. You're our resident NPR voice, and we love you. So soothing. Um, our guest today, uh, who we've been hanging out with for a little while in the studio, um, is Ben Simon, the co-founder of Ben to Table. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. And this is a doubleheader HRN show day for you. You just did Why Food earlier. I did. Had some fun in this very room with Valerie and Ethan. You've been hanging out a while. In this very shipping container. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you believe it? <laughs> How is the show with the two of them today? What did you guys talk about? Fantastic. We, we opened with some debate chatter, um, got into campaigning and food and sustainability and all sorts of fun stuff. That is a you little bit of foreshadowing. In. All the good stuff. Yeah. We're going to talk about some of those things as well. Uh, we maybe, should we talk about the debate? I don't know. Uh-huh. I will just say it was the most fun one yet. I had a great time watching it. Were you drinking? Absolutely. <laughs> and Dylan, I, we had just drank a liter of wine, if you remember. Remember that? I do, yeah. And then I went home and I continued that. I drank some sherry that I had gotten from Henry's because I... This weekend made some shrimp and grits and with mushrooms, so I had sherry, and then I was like, let me finish that. And then um, I made some Rancho Gordo beans and some roasted carrots and a steak, and then I, <laughs> and then I opened up... Were you feeding... <laughs> how many dozen people were you feeding? The whole uh, debate stage. <laughs> yes. I was cooking for the Democratic primary. And then I opened... And when Will got home, we opened up a bottle of Cremant de Jura. Because I was like, you know, it's a special occasion. I made a single serving of cachoe pepe and ate it <laughs> in bed. Also fantastic. With my cat. We went to an amazing... There's, a, there's this one Thai restaurant in New Haven that is like vastly better Thai food than New Haven deserves. It's called September in Bangkok, for anyone listening. Um, and we went there after I picked my daughter up from daycare. And then did you watch the debate? No. 
No. I uh, watched Narcos, Mexico. Oh, I mean, perhaps the only thing more stressful than the debate. <laughs> it was, it's a great season. Uh, yeah. Was it as tense as Klobuchar and Buttigieg? That's the question. No. Probably not. not. Yeah. It I was, watched some clips. It was tense. Definitely not. It was super tense. Okay. So we're going to get a little bit more. We're going to get into why we're talking about politics with Ben. There's, there's more to that story. And then we're going to talk about Ben to table. Um, but first we have a few announcements. Um, like we mentioned last week or Dylan mentioned last week, there's a, an exciting event coming up with food karma. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so exciting. You seem so excited. Pork pozole, seafood pozole, red and green pozole, 100 bottles of mezcal at this event. You don't want to miss out. You don't. The New York New Yorker magazine is talking about it. Time Out is talking about it. Grub Street. Grub Street. Ten best number one best thing to do in February. Last day of February. Don't miss it. Bowl of Zol Z O L E dot com. Is there it's 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 the best thing to do with your leap day. Is Ronan Farrow gonna be there? Uh, maybe. Yeah. There's going to be Ronan Farrow Pozole. <laughs> he hasn't said he won't be there. <laughs> exactly. Watch it. Um, excellent. That's super exciting. Um, okay. Hey, guess what we're doing soon? Very soon. We're heading down south. We're going to Charleston Wine and Food, which is just such a fun time. Um, we have been building like a killer lineup of interviews for all three days of the festival. HRN is going to be broadcasting live from the culinary village. So we're going to have all of the coolest chefs and bartenders and winemakers and all around just lovely human beings stopping by to chat with us. Um, and we cannot wait. If you're going to be in Charleston, please come see us. We're also doing some fun parties that Kat teased. Um, so if you want an invite, just slip into our DMs, and we'll be sure to send you the details. At heritage underscore radio. Yep, that's where you find us. Uh, and if you can't make it to Charleston, we will be uh, live streaming all of our coverage from 12 to 5 every day, um, which is March 6th. Nope. Fit, which one does the 6th, 7th, and 8th? Yep. Yep, March 6th, 7th, and 8th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, just a tease. You'll hear from our friend Stephen Satterfield. You'll hear from the Lee brothers, the Lee brothers, Hannah Raskin. Oh my gosh, um, Hannah Raskin, the only person who I know of who review did a restaurant review without going to the restaurant because they wouldn't let her in. So she sent people into the restaurant for herself. Yeah, and we'll just have a really long conversation about the best way to spell Hannah mm. because we uh, disagree. speaking of debates. Um, but it's going to be amazing, so please listen in or come visit us. Yeah. Um, a few more events, just to quickly tease. Um, on February 27th, um, In the Sauce with Allie Kane is going to be doing a live uh, live episode at Whole Foods Tribeca. Um, as you may know, Allie Kane of Haven's Kitchen also has a sauce line, and her show focuses a lot about... Businesses similar to hers, CPG um, products that you might find in your grocery store. And she's going to be doing a Women's Day panel with um, like-minded business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, and that will then air later on in the sauce. Um, we also have a three-part live podcast event coming up on March 1st at the Philly Chef Conference. So if you're in Philadelphia, there are tickets available through Resi. And we're going to be recording... A Hungry Society, opening soon, and all in the industry. So you can come to that event live. If not, if you can't make it, we will have all three of those episodes up soon. And lastly, Feast Meets West is also doing a live podcast event on March 12th here in New York City. And tickets for that are available on Eventbrite. There's going to be a live podcast. There will also be a social event following it. People get goodie bags, there will be bites, there will be drinks. So all the live cast, live podcast events you could ever want. Oh, hi. Did we mention Taste Washington? <laughs> also, Taste Washington's coming up in March. Yeah. So there's Sam Ben no- Ruby on the road twice in one month. Twice in one Did you, you were like, I need more Sam Ben Ruby in my life. Guess what? It's coming. <laughs> we're going to have so much Grape Nation content coming your way in March. So uncork all your favorite bottles of wine and sit down and listen to Sam wax poetic with all his favorite winemakers. It's going to be so fun. Ben was talking about all the wine he has in his basement, so we can just go drink all his wine and listen to the Grape Nation. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Okay, should we do some headlines? Let's do it. 
Okay, on openings in this week, Jenny and Alex spoke with Tracy Malachuk Ezekiel and Arjav Ezekiel of Birdies in Austin, a forthcoming neighborhood cafe on the east side of the city, about the process of getting a new restaurant lease. Um, They spoke with them a couple months ago when they were in the middle of negotiations, and this week they're catching up to see how it all went. So if you haven't been listening to this, this season of Opening Soon, it's it's a nail biter. It's going week by week as people try to open a restaurant, so you don't want to miss it. Tune in. On Japan Eats this week, Akiko Katayama hosts the director and composer behind the new film Nourishing Japan. This film explores Japanese food education philosophy through an example of the unique school lunch programs at an elementary school in the Tohoku region. And right after the show today, Processing is releasing its newest episode featuring... Our dear friend and HRN host emeritus, Reverend DJ Cherish the Love, a.k.a. Cynthia Cherish Mallorin. Uh, Cynthia is a world-renowned DJ, reverend, and breast cancer survivor. She um, is going to talk with Bobby and Zara about her journey with cancer from diagnosis through treatment, which included her DJing to fellow chemo recipients during infusions and her enlightening concept of primary foods. Cynthia also has a podcast on HRN called Primary Foods, which is um, records periodically, but if you want to listen to it, it's amazing. And if you ever need a DJ or wedding officiant, look up DJ Cherish to Love. She's the absolute best. Also, she has a show on our network called Wedding Cake. Yes. She's the only person that I'm aware of that has um, held a vow renewal ceremony live on air in this room. Wow. That's yeah. why there's such good vibes here. That's a great fun fact. Yeah. She's the best. And she works with Netflix a lot, so you might see her name on Netflix credits. And she flies her dog across the country with her. She's maybe one of the coolest people. I yeah, know. she's definitely like on the on the top yeah. ten list of coolest people we know. Yeah. She also DJs our gala, so if you want to be in the room with that level of coolness, you should keep an eye out for when we start selling tickets. Don't miss it. Um, all right, it's the time of the show where we do our interview with our guest of honor. Okay, Ben. So we've mentioned Ben to Table, but for those uninitiated, what is Ben to Table? What's the story? So ben to Table is essentially, you know, stitch fix for your pantry, right? So rather than trying to upgrade your wardrobe, it's a subscription box service that each month brings you a fun assortment of delicious and uh, well, sort of well-made ingredients to cook with from sort of pantry essentials like heirloom grits. You mentioned Rancho Gordo beans, cat mm. already. Um, Love them. Uh, you know, whole grain pastas, things like that. To a, um, you also have a, a delicacy subscription that features food from a different culinary tradition uh, each month. So. Spain, Italy, India, Mexico, Thailand, France, on and on and on. Amazing. Yeah, we've talked a lot about subscription services that are like meal <laughs> kits, which I feel like there's there's a gap in the market for folks who maybe are a little too advanced for a meal kit, aren't looking for that level of um, support. But like, I, I know I can always use a pantry upgrade. It's, my pantry is terrifying. There's there's so much tin fish. Some of it good, some of it bad. Um, but it's such a good like halfway point between people who need like a recipe card. Yeah, to follow like something really special. And here's a suggestion of what to do with it. But also like if you just crack it open, it's going to be fantastic yeah. no matter what. Absolutely worth really thinking about people who don't need a meal kit but are interested in having tasty stuff come to them each week that they can, or each month, that they can experiment with, that they can create new things with. We do include uh, some cards in the box that are, got some in front of us here, that are, are more, um, more like sort of ideas of what to do with stuff rather than, you know, here is exactly what this is for, mm-hmm. right? There's no shrink-wrapped carrot or a uh, <laughs> single stalk of... Uh, you know, single scallion bulb. It's here's a bunch of things. Here's some ideas of what to do with them. Go nuts from there nice. uh, with sort of as much guidance as you might need on the website, but a lot of room for kind of anywhere in, in the, that spectrum of 
super inventive, just go wherever you want to, um, you know, oh, there's this recipe. Here's a, here's an idea of exactly what to do with this thing, which I can totally follow. And we met you at Good Food Mercantile. Yes. And a lot of the amazing makers that we are friends with from Good Food Mercantile are featured in Bend to Table boxes. Can you talk about how you source all these amazing ingredients? Sure. So I began with some ideas of very specific ingredients often, and many of my boxes start each month. I have a few ideas of, for instance, in the Mexico box that we did last month, I knew I wanted a mole. I knew I really wanted to find a wheat la coche that is uh, shelf-stable and also good. Can you say what that so, is? So, yeah, so wheat la coche is, it's essentially like corn mushrooms. So um, if you think about, you know, imagine a stalk of corn, an ear of corn, and uh, it kind of sounds less appetizing than it is, kind of fungus growing on the corn. Uh, a, a farmer who doesn't know what that is would, would think, ah, my corn is ruined. A farmer who knows what it is thinks, aha, I've struck gold. And it's essentially, you, you, can, you can harvest those mushrooms, and they cook pretty similarly to mushrooms. It's very common to find them on, for instance, a huarache, which is like a, a thin, griddled corn cake filled with beans that you'll find often in Mexico City. With you know, you'll put sauces and then maybe some wheat la coche and some cotija cheese or something like that on top of it, and it's very hard to find good shelf stable versions of that, right? If you you can find it fresh in markets in Mexico, which is fantastic. Every now and again, maybe you can find it fresh if you have a particular supplier or like you know a corn farmer in the U.S. There are some canned versions that are not very good. I managed to find one producer in Mexico that does a jarred version that's actually pretty tasty. Um, and interestingly, they, they also do a vac-packed version. And I found that to have this kind of astringent, it wasn't nearly as good, right? So there's sort of, I have an idea for a product, I try to figure out how I can get it, and then I'll try and sample different versions of it to see if there's a, a sort of better or worse right. version. Also, there's sort of suppliers I know and really like, mm -hmm. and then I might look at their catalogs and see, oh, you have this thing I know I want. Let me sample a few of these other things and uh, figure out what what works from both a sort of cohesion of the box perspective of like if you're looking at this set of ingredients, does this make sense? Does this hang together? But also from an economic standpoint for me and for the, the cost structure of everything, uh, and then also for is it sort of right, and which is to say, does it, does it taste good? Is the producer a uh, producer I'm interested in featuring? Um, all these sorts of considerations beyond just the kind of, does it taste right? Yeah. So a, a lot of kind of what you're, you're offering to people is you're, you're doing the legwork, you're curating the boxes, you're, you're doing all the work to find these amazing products, and then as a consumer, you just get to open it up and be surprised and delighted by what you find in there. And then it helps you decide like what you're going to, how you're going to feed yourself, how you're going to nourish yourself. So why, why was that something that interested you? Why did you want to get into that sort of customer relationship in the first place? So a, a big part of why I'm doing this that I didn't really talk about in the last thing was is the a kind of lens I have on what types of products I'm sourcing, which is um, trying to promote producers that are really living uh, values of sustainable agriculture, of more ecological ways of, of producing food, which I have a, spent several years working at Greenpeace on sustainable agriculture. Um, pr principally, was also working on some climate campaigns and some other, some other work as well but did a bunch of work around the world on thinking about how do we actually shift our agriculture system globally, right? And a big part of that equation has to be what we often call solutions, right? Which is, it's not just about stopping the bad thing, it's also about helping the good thing flourish in its place, mm -hmm. right? You can destabilize a system, you can create weakness in a system, but unless there's something new and better that can actually rise up and take its place, nothing really changes. And so 
as I've thought more about what could I do, how could I be a part of this shift that's needed, think, figuring out how to make something that's on that solution side really started to appeal to me. And so a big part of what I'm trying to do with this is help people find these products that are, that are delicious and also that help to move our essentially global agriculture system forward in a good way. And so in an ideal world to me, this is something that actually significantly shifts the demand for heirloom beans and grits and uh, grains that are produced well, that are part of a sort of biodiverse or, um, growing process and explaining what I mean by that, uh, biodiverse as opposed to sort of monocultural um, or polycultural as opposed to monocultural refers to the idea of um, growing more than one crop at a time, right? And the benefits of that can be many, right? But some principal ones are natural pest resistance and resilience. So actually making it, you know, if, you, if you're growing 10 crops and one fails, that's fine. If you're growing one crop and it fails, you're completely screwed, right? And so there's actually benefits to the grower as well, but it's a, it's a really significant shift for the way many farmers have been, think about this stuff and have seen how farming works. And it's a, and so it's working in pockets, but how do we get it to become, how can, how can we make it dominant? How can we make the way Steve Sando at Rancho Gordo grows the way most beans are grown, not just the way niche beans, some niche mm -hmm. beans are grown. Mm -hmm. So in particular, Rancho Gordo is one that has been getting like a lot of hype recently. People are like, really on this whole fancy bean kick. He's inevitably like the one on pe top of people's list. Um, now people are like fighting to get on his bean club. Um, I just think it's, it's like wild. It's exciting. But, um, you know, I, I do wonder, are you, do you think that we'll see that with like other types of pantry staples? Um, kind of, you have, I think your finger on the pulse of a lot of, a lot of this. What do you kind of see as, like, the next wave, if any? I, I, I hope yes. I hope that the same way we're seeing it with beans, we see it with grits or farro or rye berries or, you know, all these grains that are barley are, are kind of scary or weird, right? I think that a lot of people, when you present them with a grain their first thought is, oh my God, what's the, what's the water to grain ratio that I need in order to not screw this up, right? <laughs> and a, a, like a big sort of a revelatory moment. So my uh, sister-in-law is a chef in Toronto and uh, she stayed with us for a couple of months after my daughter was born. She was able to kind of engineer this, uh, a, a little break between jobs. And one of the things she taught me in this, when she, when, she, when, we, when she was staying with us, was this totally different way of, of conceiving of cooking of grains, right? Which is put in more water than you need and just cook it and let it cook and like test it every now and again after you think it might be done. And at some point it'll be done and then drain it and you're good to go, right? And you can get fancier with it from there, but basically every single grain can be cooked that way. And I think so a lot of the work, I think, is in de the same way that Steve Sando has done a ton of work demystifying the dried bean, mm -hmm. right? You don't actually need to pre-soak it. You don't actually need to worry too much about it. I think we can do the same thing with grains and move beyond, like, what, I mean, what white rice can be great. Uh, I'll probably have some Carolina rice in a box coming soon, but... Um, there's also a huge diversity beyond that that we can work with. And those types of crops are enormously helpful for, like if you can sow in some rye and have that in your rotation, you need less fertilizer, for instance, right? Even if you're not fully organic. Nice. I love, no, I think there was, I think it was in Civil Eats in their <clears throat> newsletter earlier this week, there was a, 
um, talking about how like m- people moving towards a plant-based diet and seeking out plant-based proteins that like the artisan, I think they mentioned specifically like lentils and peas market was exploding and like that's good for farmers. That's good for people who have CPG companies. Good for people like Ben who are selling specialty goods. Like I'm here for it. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, when you do cut out meat, you have to be in search of flavor in different ways. And protein. And then I think that you realize how much flavor exists, especially if we're preserving the biodiversity among yes. plants. And also the, I feel like we have made, in, in some circles, we've made the jump to kind of less and better on the meat side, right? right? So... In, Even meat companies are yeah, espousing yeah, absolutely, like heritage right? foods. So, so the idea of like, don't eat meat with every meal. When you eat meat, it should be meat that's worthwhile, that's worth actually like paying them more money to have it meat that was treated well, that died well, that tastes better. Right? And isn't destroying the environment. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so the same transition, the same mindset shifts, and also with produce at the farmer's market, right? Yeah. The idea of... $4 a pound for tomatoes in the summer when they're fresh it, as opposed to a dollar a pound at Kroger's. It's a no-brainer it, when you have the sense. good tomato. It's like, yeah, it's like I would rather eat fewer tomatoes and have them be better, yeah. right? Um, at some point, that analogy breaks down because, like, you got to feed your family. But the idea of spending six, seven, eight bucks for a pound of dried beans is, I think, to some folks, bonkers, Yeah. right? But... There's actually no reason it should be. It's all it's if those be, if it's worth it, right? Yeah. And if if it's actually tastier and there's benefits to, drink, to to having purchased it beyond your own specific direct enjoyment of it. Yeah, so, I think we talk about this a lot. That like a lot of what is wrong with our food system is because we're habituated that like food is cheap. Yes, and like the commodity, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, and the I mean the, the the sort of the degree to which we our whole culture until pretty recently has fed us into the idea that a tomato is a tomato is a tomato, grits is grits is grits, rice is rice is rice, steak is steak is steak is the degree is is a huge part of how screwed up our agriculture system is. Yes. And with that, I feel like we should eat some squid or something. Yeah, let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to pop open some of the conservas that Ben brought with him, and then we'll come back, we'll have a little bit, and we'll talk about them in a little bit more detail. Stick around. Cool. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. No, thank you, Roberta's. As always, thanks to Brandon Hoy for that amazing ad. It's incredible lunch that he, today. It's incredible that he does that live for us every week. Yeah, he's always willing to pop right in. We'll be like, Brandon, we need you to do the Roberta's ad. He's like, okay, I'll drop everything. I'll, I'll leave my kids. Um, we just had a really satisfying lunch at Roberta's today, too. Like, yeah. we have a lot of lunch meetings and dinner meetings at Roberta's, and like, You'd think we would get sick of it, but nah. it's it's always good. Like, it's always good. I uh, couldn't recommend it enough. They have a great citrus salad on right now that is perfect for the winter. Cannot recommend it enough. It was, that, that citrus salad was like um, an antidepressant. Yeah. yeah. The color, the flavor. Yeah. All right. So, Ben, you, have, you, have? you yes. have a lovely little tin in so, your hand. Yeah. So, I've, as following up all this discussion about sustainable agriculture... Um, One of the things that I also sort of love and was really in my mind when launching Bent to Table was or is Spanish conservas. So uh, when I think most Americans think of tinned seafood, first of all, they think of canned seafood. Uh, They think of a kind of sad tuna fish in the back of their cabinet or something like that, right? And one of the things that I've come to love on my own travels. Uh, also, I think there was a, there's an, I'm not sure if it was Parts Unknown or if it was a previous show. There's a, but a, a Bourdain um, episode from, I think, 2007 or 8, where he goes to the Espinalera bar um, and has some just mussels from a can that the way he described them is like, I think that oh was my. no reservations. I, yeah, it's like, oh my, I must, yeah. I must have this. Yeah. Right? Um, and so, and also they are in, 
a slightly different way than heirloom grits, a version of thinking about sustainability differently, right? They are uh, generally, they tend to be fish, seafood caught right where they are from at a pretty small scale by uh, fishers who are thinking about overall stocks. They're being prepared on premises and then shipped in a way that is pretty minimally uh, ecological, you know, has a minimal ecological footprint, right? Mm -hmm. They're preserved and then they can be, they're, can't, they're tinned and then they can be shipped on a boat instead of having to be airlifted, right? Yeah. Like yeah. fish flown from Tokyo to to here to have the best sushi fish is super not great, but, uh, you know. It happens. <laughs> yeah, but, but here we are, right? And so, um, so what I have here today to sample is two different, we have a mussels in um, an escabeche, which is a kind of citric marinade from uh, Conservas de Cambados, which is one of the producers I'm working with in stocking. And the other is an octopus and olive oil from Espinaler, actually the sort of bar in Barcelona that uh, Bourdain went to. Um, and they're basically, there's, there's a, a friend was describing to me is from there how there's basically like a hundred different tavernas like Espinaler that have been around forever. And Espinaler in the 70s or so basically decided like, hey, let's brand what we're doing mm. and let's start doing fish and they just kind of took off and have been great. Um, and we so also, cool. sorry, to, to, uh, to enjoy it with, we have this Espinola sauce, which is like on the bar in Barcelona. And it's this wonderful combination of Tabasco and mignonette in one yes, thing. Please. Is it like actually Tabasco? Like, no, it's, it's not. Like, it's like a it's like a, a, it's a, hot, it's a, it's a tabac, you know, vinegary hot sauce. So I say like, that'd be kind of wild. No. <laughs> Am I going to feel like I'm in Spain when we eat this? Hopefully. Yes. Well, especially with Please. this lovely uh, orange wine here. Oh. So. <laughs> Excellent oh sound Oh, my God. Effect. It's the vacation I, I knew I needed and didn't <laughs> take. All right. Um, so, so we just opened the mussels. So I'm, here's what I I'm think. told. I'm told that they don't like mouth noises on mic. Um, yeah, but our listeners do. Okay, <laughs> our listeners love mouth noises. Um, they do they? Cat's <laughs> eyes are bulging out of her face right now. This so here's what so I want to do. I want to do like a tinned fish tour of the Iberian Peninsula. Can we organize that? Can we like go? Well, so you know, not to be self-promotional, but I would. Simply recommend an assortment of conservas bundles from Ben to Table, <laughs> which is way cheaper than the than the flight, and Thank then you buying so much for that solution. buying the same price there. <laughs> um, uh, so we have I have mostly Spanish seafood on um, on the site, but also a little bit of French. So there's some amazing uh, anchovies from uh, Brittany that are uh, preserved with French, uh, really good French butter and sea salt. And then there's an Italian bronzino in oil, which is also just lovely. It's this big, sort of nice filet and quite unctuous and delicious. Those mussels are fantastic. Dylan's you like can't speechless. help but just nod your head, you know, like, yep, while you're yep. while you're eating them. Dang. You're just so, like, yes. Mm. Yum. Okay, next. <laughs> next. That one wasn't as loud as the other no, one. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying not to spill oil everywhere. <laughs> so this is the octopus? Yes. Okay. Oh, Hannah's so, got bread going. Smart. Mm. I just went right in for it. All right. The Dylan, bread is go my first? napkin. No, I can, no, I'm ready to go first. Okay. You go first. Please, oh, Kat. Actually, gonna... Oh, we're going to do a little bit of sauce action <laughs> on it. Yum. So do you, you guys both eat octopus? Mm-hmm. I do on occasion. Yeah. yeah. On this occasion. Uh, Enthusiastically. My other half does not eat octopus because he thinks they're yeah. too smart. Does he eat pig? He does eat pig. Well, then I I, so. I call his bluff. <laughs> <laughs> I think he watched one of those videos about, like, the octopus crawling out of some, like, an aquarium, and he was like, no. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. They're still good. So, I, I mean, I love the octopus because it's basically just, like... Mm. It's like it's like tender braised octopus, mm. and all of these are just you just pop the can and you're good to go. It's like the the best 
dinner party hors d'oeuvre you could possibly imagine as long as your guests eat fish. Right. Um, so how are, are these cooked, they're cooked and then tend? So different, for the most part, sorry, for the most part, yes. There are some, some producers, uh, the cooking happens in the tin. But okay. for the most part, they're sort of gently poached and then hand-packed and then sauce layered on and then the tin is sealed. Delicious. Also great with this wine. We didn't mention really about wine is. we were drinking, but we were drinking an orange wine from Roberta's. It's excellent. Another it's, plug. Uh, Roberta's Wine List, which is exceptional. Ka 4D08. It's a it's a confusing. I think it's calarius. Cal- calcarius. Cal- yeah. There it is. Orange yeah. Puglia calcarius. Yummy. Yum. It's so good that we had it two days in a row. <laughs> no shame. No shame in our game. So Ben, how does your newfound um, fun job of getting to taste all these delicious things on our behalf? Because um, you used to work in politics. Like, is this like a well needed um, departure? Breath. Well, I've thought. For a long time um, in the work that I've been doing, so I was in more in kind of electoral politics as we think of it from, let's say, 06 to 2011 or so. Um, and the last major thing I did was helped to launch President Obama's reelection campaign from the team I led at the DNC and then, you know, came back to help with it at the end of the Obama-Romney campaign those were such such bygone days when the good old days the old plutocrat was <laughs> uh did, did you do you mean Polar- we thought we were scared then <laughs> yeah. do you mean pierre delecto i do mean pierre i just listened to a reply all about same. pierre delecto um <laughs> our uh, mornings went same similarly yeah. same one and yeah uh and the sort of as i so i've been since 2013 in this kind of environmental human rights I've been doing a lot of work, obviously, with Greenpeace for several years, but then more recently have had a, been working at a senior level with our own kind of nonprofit startup, working with groups like Amnesty International and uh, UNICEF and World Animal Protection, and also continuing a bit with Greenpeace. And I've often, sort of every time I've thought about what, what would I want to do next, I always have come back in some way to food and in some way to this sort of solutions idea. And when I'm, we moved a couple years ago from San Francisco where we had been for about seven years to New Haven, Connecticut. And New Haven is a lovely place, come to, come to love it. Um, and also it is the case that a lot of the things, a lot of the of proximity to amazing food I had in San Francisco is no longer as available, right? So I'm that guy who's like, yes, I am going to order 10 pounds of beans <laughs> so that I get the free shipping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that, that places me in a fairly weird niche. But as I talk to more and more people, I realize there's actually a lot of folks who are interested in that kind of thing, but either don't have the time to spend thinking about it and hunting it out, don't have, just don't have the access to it, You don't have access to stores, or just are sort of not inclined to care too much but would love to have it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I'd, 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 it'd be great if I could cook amazing, interesting grits instead of boring Quaker Oats grits, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out of my way to make that happen, but yeah, if it came every month, that'd be great. Right, and so this sort of crystallized as a way to sort of that to to make, have an impact on that solution side, and uh, and meet a need that I, I I think exists, and that I'd like to, and it's also I think an un an unseen need, right? It's not a <laughs> yeah. I listen to cooking issues a lot, right? And David Nastasia talk about how they're a trailing edge technology. <laughs> often, right, that, like, th- this isn't um, a must-have. Like, no one's going to go hungry absent this, but I think it can be a really interesting part of the equation for how you cook if you care about what you cook mm-hmm. and for how you feed your family if you particularly care about how you feed your family. And 
especially if you can think about it the same way that you think about you know what you spend at the farmer's market, what you spend at the actual good butcher that's a bit of a hike or whatever. I think it, it fits really well in that whole uh, sort of framework and mindset. Yeah, and it, it's interesting, like, our mission is to make the world more equitable, sustainable, and delicious. And I think the delicious part can sometimes, you know, you, you're like, yes, of course, food should be delicious, but also, like, look at the environment and look at, like, labor rights. But also, like, I think what Ben Table is really summing up is, like, it's worth it to, like, really do the work and, and spend the money if you can because deliciousness is important to a life well lived. <laughs> True. Um, on that note, do you have anything else you want to touch on? One thing you should definitely touch on is how people can learn more yeah. about it. Yeah. So um, we have a website on the internet. Um, it is at ben2table.com, B-E-N-T-O-T-A-B-L-E.com. We are also on various of your favorite or not so favorite social media platforms, most notably Instagram and Facebook at Ben2Table, where the instead of T-O, it's the number two. Um, we also have a Twitter handle, but honestly don't use it and can't quite handle the fire hose of Twitter um, <laughs> personally, but uh, we are there and, and may start posting more at some point. Uh, we also are, as part of a sort of partnership we're starting with HRN, doing a I guess we can call it a promotion where if you subscribe to a either our essential subscription or the delicacy subscription or the Ben to Table Box subscription, which is um, both, it's sort of our flagship every month, like the best stuff every month, um, and you use the code HRN at checkout, so HRN like Heritage Radio Network, uh, you will get $20 off your first month subscription and we will donate $10 to HRN. And the one other thing I'm realizing that I have not said is that we also have, there's not very much in the way of meat or animal products in the subscriptions generally. There's a tin of uh, razor clams in the first delicacies box from Spain, Uh, but there hasn't been anything else since. However, if you want to guarantee yourself vegetarian ingredients every month, there is a vegetarian delicacy, is a vegetarian bent to table box, and essentials is always vegetarian. Um, awesome. Not necessarily plant-based, because there might wind up being like a, a pasta with a little bit of egg or something like that, mm-hmm. so I don't want to guarantee that. But uh, it's pretty plant-based head forward. Nice. The That's way we should all be eating yeah. more often. Exactly. All right, so it's that time of the show where we have some trivia. And, Ben, you're not alone on this. Uh, no one else has seen the, the questions and answers, so you have a We're team. We're here for you. Okay. And our theme this week, Jess once again helped us write this trivia. And we thought it would be fun to do some bean trivia because of all the bean hype these days. And in honor of the beans you can get in your Bent to Table subscription. All right, question number one. What country produces the most beans? Interesting. <laughs> I Does, do soybeans count as beans? Mm, Jess, judges? Oh, God, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Probably. Well, if it's soybeans, then it's probably it's U.S. I would think the U.S., yeah. No. No? It's <laughs> India. Oh. Sure. <laughs> All right, yeah. Okay. Followed by Myanmar and Brazil. In this category, are lentils counting as beans? Oh, I don't know. They must. They must. All right, question number two. In ancient Greece, a load of black beans with one singular white bean were put in a bean machine. Whoever picked the white bean would receive what? A, a cow. B, a bride. C, a cash prize. D, a low-ranking government position. Wait, start from the beginning. What? In ancient, Greece, in ancient Greece, a load of black beans with one oh, okay. singular white bean were put in a bean machine. I'm imagining like a bingo, some like it's where like you put raffle, all the bingo things, kind of and yeah. there's a one white bean. Yeah. See, there's been a lot of opportunities that I feel like I need to be able to phone a friend. And yeah. A friend, I mean my so we, nerd so, ass So we can like, we can trivial pursuit this out, right? So, so, so what are the four options are what? Cow, Cow bride, bride, cash, 
government. government yeah. So I feel like with Greece, they loved giving away government positions. Yeah, I think it's either money or, gov- <laughs> money or government positions. Yeah, I think it's government positions. Because they weren't into like forced marriage. Yeah. And they didn't eat that much beef. No. <laughs> you guys are on it. Cash or government? Cash or government. Sure. Go- yeah, nice. Yes. Government wow. position. A clerotarion was a randomization device used by the Athenian polis during the period of democracy to select citizens to most state offices. What wow. a time to be side, elected. It's like the electoral note, college. Side note, <laughs> Athens is awesome. It has a bad rap. Everyone just like likes to go to Greece to go to the islands and stuff. Ah. But I had used to have I worked with a bunch of people in Greece and was there all the time and it's amazing. Recommendation. I have, for like Athens. my favorite grocery store in Kolonaki. Cool. Mm. All right. Uh, National Bean Day is January sixth. The day that this geneticist, famous for his pea and bean plant experiments, died. It's going to be like the Green Revolution guy. No, name, come like, on. Yeah. This is classic think, high school biology. Think about, think about yeah. the, the, the squares. The, um, gene, the gene squares. What? <laughs> this is bad. My next door neighbor is like an epigenologist. Gene squares? Can we what get a multiple choice? Squares? Like the, X, the XY. Okay, I'll give you a multiple Chromosome choice squares? for his first name. John Paul George Ringo. Ringo. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Paul. I'm going to go with Paul. Nope. John. Nope. Oh. George. Ringo. George who? <laughs> George. Rhymes with spindle. Trindle. <laughs> Mindle. There you go. Oh. George Mendel. <laughs> no. Oh, Gregor. Mendel. Gregor. Oh, Gregor Mendel. <laughs> Gregor Mendel. Oh, yeah. I read it I wrong. know that guy. He did love beans. <laughs> Verified. That name yeah. does ring... A bell somewhere definitely would never have come up with that. No. Name. Well, someone was not paying attention to biology, and that someone is me. Is all of us. <laughs> never heard of that name in my entire life. All right, question number four. Which bean did Pythagoras refuse to eat because he believed they contained the souls of the dead? Lentils. Wait, you, you have to give the hint. Hint. They go well with a nice Chianti. Oh, fava. Fava. Yes. Bean. Makes sense. Good hint, Jess. I yes, love that. You. All right, uh, question number. Have you guys have had like proper like fava puree? No. It's sort of so in Greece they do like instead of hummus with chickpeas they do like you order like fava and it's basically the same the same idea. Oh. So it's like puree cooked fava pureed with oil and probably a little garlic, pars- like parsley uh, garnish with like a spritz of lemon with some nice crusty bread. Just I'm into that. Yeah, you can do it with any good. beans. I do yeah. white beans. I've had black-eyed pea hummus. It's pretty good, mm, too. Yeah. yeah. Have you had chocolate hummus, though? No. Because what? my boyfriend's mother loves to buy it the sa- the same I'm brand. sorry. Okay. I, don't, I can't say I love to eat it. but We're going to have to... Is it a uh, chickpea base? It is. And there's chocolate in it. Yes. I don't like that. You understand it now. <laughs> <laughs> Question we'll number... We'll, later. <laughs> we'll take, off, take this off air. <laughs> Question number five. Every hour... How many tons of baked beans are eaten in Britain? Oh my. Price is right rules. <laughs> so many. How many tons? How, wait, what's, Every the, what's hour. the time increment? Every hour, how many tons of baked beans are eaten? Everyone just go around and say a number. A, f- a number of tons. So a ton is a thousand pounds. I think it's two thousand. It's two thousand pounds? One? <laughs> Good strategy. I like it. I'm going to say five. Okay. I'll say six. Ben gets it. It's 38.5 tons. Oh, my God. Too many beans. How is that possible? All right. Last I don't know if you've ever had a full English breakfast, but you get a ton of beans. Yeah, literally a ton. It's in 30, a single it's, serving. It's 38 and a half people eating English breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Each hour. Yeah. All right. Last question. According to that wonderful childhood ditty, Beans are the musical fruit that make you toot. Hmm. Why can eating beans cause you to be gassy? What is it? What is it about beans? Starchiness? They ferment in your gut. Hey. Jess is going to give it to you. Nice. They contain a sugar called oligosaccharides. That ferments in your gut. That cannot fully, your body cannot fully digest. Foods that come into the large intestine without being absorbed in the small intestine will cause gas. Okay. Uh, However, okay. I will, I'll also say there are things you can do to minimize the tootiness of beans. The most, uh, most importantly, is like eat beans. Yeah. Actually, is like that's what that's what Steve says. Yeah. Also, cooking um, beans with kelp 
um, like that's also that's, what Steve mm, says. Yeah, well, it breaks down that enzyme and makes it more digestible. I, as a person who has a super super messed up digestive system, that's what I do. Everyone mm. should be on the Rancho Gordo email list because yeah. Steve writes fantastic wow. newsletters. Do you have a also newsletter? The, also, the Bench Table email list. Boom, boom, boom. Get on it. It's a former career of mine. That is true. I bet you write a mean newsletter. Or a nice Working one. Working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer to be nice. nice I, don't, I don't like shouting at my people. Oh, but I didn't mean mean like that. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. All right. Well, that's our show. You all won trivia. Ben, you won trivia. Woo! And you won at bringing us snacks, because these are probably my favorite snacks we won. on our show. Ever. Oh, my God. As soon as we go off air, I'm going to be, like, drinking the oil out of the bottom of these cans. So we might want to cut soon. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank- soften, soften up with the bread. Yeah. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, Jess, Thanks, for the Kat. great trivia. Thank you. Thanks, Jess. Thank Thanks, you, Kat. Ben. Thank Thanks you, ben. Much for coming on, to not once, but twice today on HRN. America. Everyone go listen to Y Food. You probably have a and more And then subscribe in. at benchtable.com. Do it. And definitely stay tuned for some uh, more bent-to-table goodness on cooking issues very soon. And don't forget to use promo code HRN HRN. when you inevitably sign up for your bent-to-table subscription because I don't know why you wouldn't. Make sure you use the promo code because HRN will get some love. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. We have a special episode next week um, uh, featuring a friend from Four Roses Bourbon. And don't miss that. And then the I should fu- come back. Yeah. <laughs> it was recorded in another time. You have to go back in time. <laughs> okay. A while ago. It's an alternate timeline. Dylan and I drank <laughs> bourbon at 11 a.m. <laughs> Good times. Um, all right. So we'll see you next week. And then the week after, um, make sure you're tuning in to hear us at Charleston. HR and Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.